Greetings Timajilam, Karibuni Sanatena. We are now on our ninth episode of the Axe series and we are Tunendelea tu, Tunendelea tu. And uh, we're going through the whole New Testament this year, uh, beginning with the book of Acts. So once we're done with the book of Acts, then we'll proceed to the next books, which is Paul's letters, which I'm super excited about. Um, so today I want us to talk about an exceptional character in the book of Acts. This is a really, really dope character. Um, which is Stephen, who was the first martyr. He's the first person who believed in Jesus to be martyred, right? And this is the guy that we're going to look at, and I want us to be able to take out some really valuable lessons around Stephen's life uh, today, right? And so the story of Stephen begins in Acts 6 and goes up until chapter 7, okay? And what I would like for you to do is that I want you uh, to be able to Pause this video, right? And I want you to go and read Acts 6 and 7, okay? I want you to go and read Acts 6 and 7. Go read it, right? Pause the video, go read it. Then once you've finished reading, you come back. Sour, because it's quite long and I don't want us to read it. I want us to be able to utilize our time looking at the lessons from, this, um, from, from the life of Stephen. So I want, in fact, pause now. All right. Now, from chapter 6 that you just read, um, what we see is that the church is growing very rapidly, right? And we, we've, we've, we've talked about this before. And, you know, what we see is that because of the great generosity of the church, you know, many are coming to faith in Christ uh, because of the generosity of the church. You know, I, I really do kind of love this whole, you know, early, early church being famous for its giving. You know, most churches nowadays are known for their collections. <laughs> but this church was known for their, for, 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 not for their collections, but for their giving. And, you know, I pray that this, this model of, of, of church is, is something that, you know, would be revitalized in, in, in this day and age, especially for us. That it would be something that would be revitalized, that people would come to the knowledge of, of, of God's uh, saving grace, because of our generosity. And I pray that this would be something that would be said of us in this dispensation of the church. Amen. Anyway, so in chapter 6, we see that there is a daily distribution of food that was happening. And uh, for those who are in need, so there's a daily distribution of food that was happening. And the Hellenistic Jews, basically Jews who had um, a lot of Greek uh, influence. So basically they were like diaspora Jews, right? Um, you know, incorporate a lot of Greek and uh, language and culture into their, into their culture. So these are guys who knew Greek and... Um, had a lot of Greek um, influence and infiltrated their culture. So these are the Hellenistic Jews. And what happened is that the widows, uh, the Hellenistic widows, uh, were complaining that they were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food, right? Which is an administration problem, right? And so at this point is, is the first time we begin to see now the, the beginning of delegation of roles within the church, right? Where the disciples uh, recognize that there's some things that now need to happen because the church is growing. Right, right now, there's, there's, there's exceptional growth within the church. And so now for them to be able to stay committed to teaching the word and to prayer, which are some of the things that were incredibly important at the time, is that, remember Acts 2.42, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, 
to fellowship and to prayer that it was important for the apostles to continue to be focused in on the things that were important for their roles right that they it was important for the apostles to be there to teach the word and so this administration um, aspects were things that would hinder them from being able to do the things that they were called to do. And so what they did is that we begin to start seeing the first delegation of roles within the church where these guys are considered to be the deacons, right? And deacons, aka administrators, right? And the thing that was the criteria for them to be these administrators in, in, in a sense that they needed to be people to be able to administer um, the distribution of this food and to oversee the distribution of food to make sure that this problem that had come up would not, would, would, would not happen. Uh, moving forward and that these people what would be needed for these administrators is for them to be full of the spirit and wisdom which is pretty amazing right in terms of like that even within these roles that of the administration of food that it was important for these guys to be full of the spirit and wisdom right <clears throat> and through that then the disciples will be able to focus their attention on prayer and the ministry of the word and so the, the apostles say, choose seven men, right? And the thing that is so interesting is that the writer of this, of Acts, uh, Luke, singles out Stephen uh, out of all the others, um, out of all the seven that were selected to do this administration. He, he singled him out as a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, that he was singled out as, this. you know, Stephen was exceptional. He was, out of all these administrators who had been chosen, he was exceptional in that he was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, right? And so what happens is this, is that from this delegation of, of, of duty that we, see the that we see happening, the church begins to grow rapidly, right? So that now, again, there's more rapid growth as the church is evolving, meaning that the first days, there was just rapid growth that was happening based on the generosity of the church. And then now we see that now that there's even better administration within the church, that the church is now grows even more rapidly, right? But then now what happens thereafter, from what you read, is that Stephen faces opposition and is arrested and he's put before the Sanhedrin, right? Some false witnesses come and they begin to challenge him. They begin to challenge Stephen. And, and when they, 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 they struggle in terms of being able to, to challenge him in regards to the, the, the confession of what he was saying, they began to bring false witnesses against him. So they bring false witnesses against him. And the thing that happens with Stephen is that he ends up preaching an incredible sermon. You read it in terms of this whole breakdown of how he breaks down from the very beginning and he talks about um, Abraham and he talks about the patriarchs and he goes down and down speaking about uh, to basically coming to the place of conclusion that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is the Messiah and that these people had rejected the message that came from God for them. And so he preaches this incredible sermon by the power of the Holy Spirit that it says that the Holy Spirit gave him incredible wisdom in being able to speak the things that he, that he, that he said. And what sadly, the, the culmination of this whole story, as we read, is him being stoned to death. That these guys were not able to, to basically uh, stand against him and so they decided to kill him. And Stephen ends up being the first martyr that we witness in the scriptures, in the New Testament, after Christ's res uh, death and resurrection, that he is the first person who is martyred from the church.
Now, there are three things that I want us to take out from this story. Three very specific things that I want us to take out from the story of Stephen that you just read. Number one is this, and we talked about it last Thursday, that God using you attracts opposition. I think it's important for us to speak about this again, that God using you will attract opposition. One of the things that you noticed almost always after the disciples perform signs and wonders is that there is opposition. Opposition arises almost immediately after the disciples perform signs and wonders. Remember in Acts 3, after Peter and John healed the lame beggar, they are arrested. In Acts 5, after it's, it says that they were healing the sick and those tormented by impure spirits, it says that there was jealousy. And the very next thing we see is them being arrested again. And so literally what we see is opposition rise against Stephen. Specifically, it says of him in Acts 6 and verse 8. Now Stephen, a man full of grace, of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs amongst the people. Soon after, it says this, we see the words, then opposition arose. Right? And one of the things that's, that's, that, 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 that why this is so important for us to continue to talk about is because over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about us being witnesses for Jesus Christ and of signs and wonders being given to us to aid us in being able to spread the good news of his name and his kingdom. Right? That through God's grace and power that the Holy Spirit is wanting to use us He's wanting to use us so that wherever he has planted us, we are able to be witnesses of Jesus Christ and the message of his kingdom, right? This has been what Acts has been talking to us about from the very beginning, if you recall, if you've been following this series. This is what we've been talking about, that God is teaching us, that God is wanting to use us. He's wanting to use us who are willing to be used by him. He's wanting to use us, that through us being willing to be used by him, he's wanting to use us for us to be his witness, to be the witness of the name of the, the Lord Jesus Christ and the message of his kingdom. That's what he wants to do with us, that just like the early church, he wants to empower us with signs and wonders for the purpose of being able to be Christ's witnesses. We've talked about this. We've been talking about this. And I truly believe this to be true, right? You know, I've shared this before, you know, in my very kind of limited understanding of how I look at what it is that I do. You know, I've always viewed the work that I do as, you know, signs and wonders. And by that, I mean that, you know, being in the marketplace for me um, and, and, and the, the, the fact that, you know, by God's grace and power, you know, that God has be allowed me to be able to have a lot of influence within the marketplace. Right. And a lot of uh, success within the marketplace in regards to the things that we do. Um, and, 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 and the stuff that we do around MOOC and all that. And the thing for me that I've, how I've always understood that work has always been as looking at MOOC as signs and wonders, that it is this thing that allows, that brings legitimacy to the message that God has put in my heart and put in, that God has given us as, as, his, as his disciples, that it brings legitimacy, that I can be able to come and therefore find legitimacy with those people that I speak with because it's like, oh, this is, this is because of the influence that I have in the marketplace that I can be able to have a voice and I can be able to come and boldly speak of the message of the gospel within those spaces. So I always viewed my influence in the marketplace as just signs and wonders, right? Kind of like signs and wonders for this generation. That's how I've always viewed it um, from my perspective. And not only just that, like I also find that 
there are often times where I will, you know, openly pray for people. Like I'll, I'll literally find people and I'll be like, I'll openly pray for them. I, you know, whatever needs that they have, I'll openly pray for them because, you know, I, my conviction is that when God answers those prayers, it will result in an opportunity for me to share the message of Christ and his kingdom with this person. That, you know, I'd be like, you know, people within even the places that I'm, I'm in, in, in my workplace, whatever, that I'm like, yo, can I pray for you? If they're going through something, can I pray for you? Because it's just like when God answers that prayer, <laughs> in my mind, I'm always like, it'll give me an opportunity to be able to come and share the message of Christ and his kingdom. So I look at all these things as just signs and wonders that help us to be able to amplify the message that Christ is alive and that he's at work and that his kingdom is beautiful and is a thing that we all ought to be a part of and that we all ought to desire that God's will is the path to life, that God's way is the path to life. But here's the thing. What we observe through the scriptures, what we have observed is that as much as signs and wonders allow us to be effective in being able to spread the good news of Jesus Christ and his kingdom, it also attracts persecution. This is what we see through the book of Acts, that we have an enemy that knows how effective signs and wonders are in spreading the message of the gospel and will stop at nothing to hinder us from continuing this great work of being able to spread the message of Christ and his kingdom, right? And the thing is this, is that what we see in Acts is that once God starts to publicly use people, immediately there is opposition. Immediately. Like as soon as God begins to now be like, okay, now you go out there and begins to start to use you, we see this time and time again where opposition almost instantly arises because of that. In Stephen's case, because they were unable to stand against his wisdom, that the Spirit of God gave him, they restored, in fact, they resorted to persuading some men to falsely accuse him. That's now the, what they resorted to in terms of, like, now that we can be able to stand against his wisdom, let us then begin to bring false witness against this guy. They couldn't find a legitimate way to discredit his message, so they, be, they resorted to telling lies. And let me tell you, this is something that we see so many times. I can't tell you the amount of times where we see so many times where a preacher or anyone who becomes now suddenly begins to to become popular because of the on account of the effectiveness of their ministry that immediately you begin to see the trolls come out right the naysayers in fact most of these people their argument is is because ah you know me i don't like this these famous preachers are dodgy you know what i'm saying and the thing is is that maybe there are some who are but there's some there are very many who are legitimate and literally it is simply because of the effectiveness of their message the effectiveness of their ministry that there has been that their influence has grown, which is exactly what is the purpose of of being of having an effective ministry is that it grows, isn't it? Right? It's the fact that it's able to 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 have more people who resonate with it. But the thing that happens is this: is that more like literally almost all the time, whenever we see this happening, literally what happens is that people begin to scrutinize them, and not only do they scrutinize them, and when they cannot find anything that is concrete to be able to accuse them all, they begin to discredit them. We see this time and time again, all the time. This happened to Jesus as well, that as his ministry began to grow and his influence began to grow, this is now when the opposition became even stronger, right? And this is now when people began to discredit him because as soon as you begin to be used by God, 
the first thing that comes around is opposition. And the thing that is so interesting is this, is that what you find oftentimes is this, is that the people who are even opposing you are people who are opposing you thinking that they're doing the work of God. If you look at, for example, in the, in the, in the, in, in the case of Stephen, regular dude, described as a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, this guy was helping the distribution of food for the church. But as soon as he began to perform great wonders and signs amongst the, the people, opposition arose, right? Opposition immediately arose. If you look at, for example, the fact that when these guys were, 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 were um, basically throwing stones at Stephen, there was a guy there named Saul who later on became Paul who they were placing their coats under. Saul literally believed that the persecution that he was doing against the church was God's work. There I thought he was doing God's work, right? That time, all along, he was literally destroying the church. He was doing the devil's work. He wasn't doing God's work, right? And there are so many naysayers who will come and who will literally think that they are coming to do God's work, but actually what they are doing is destroying God's work. They are destroying the church through all this scrutiny and unbiased, like uh, unbased uh, accusations against people who are literally being used by God to draw people to him, right? And the thing is this, what I'm trying to put out to you is this, is that this will be no different for us. That when we submit our lives to God to be used by him and allow him to use us for his kingdom, we will face opposition. It is guaranteed. When we allow him to use us in the places where we have been planted, whether it's in the workplace or in your community or wherever it is that it is that God will, will whether it's in your home, whatever it is, you will face opposition. When he begins to elevate you, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of, and then begins to perform signs and wonders through you in whatever format that looks like, right? You will face opposition. The thing is this, is that though many will be blessed by the confession of your faith and by the things that you are declaring and by you being used by him, you, on the flip side, will face opposition. That in as much as the many will be blessed, there are many who will oppose you as well. Right? It is inevitable. This is the sad reality. And the thing that I feel like, and the reason why we spoke about it last Thursday, and I believe that it's important for us to re-emphasize this, especially by looking at the life of Stephen, is that as we go through this book, it is important for us to realize that as God is ushering us into this, us being his witness and commissioning us into his harvest, where he's saying that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And he's sending us out as laborers for his harvest, for his field, that we need to realize that this is no walk in the park. And that's the reality. And I think it's important for us to be able to prepare ourselves that this and understand that this comes with the territory. It's important for us to realize this that so that, number one, we do not lose hope, that we do not lose hope, that when opposition comes, that we do not look at that and think, start thinking, now blaming God, <laughs> right? That the thing that we need to realize is that oftentimes when God is using us, we will face opposition. And so the important thing is for us is not to lose hope or to lose courage. It's important for us to emotionally prepare for it, to mentally prepare for it, that following God attracts opposition. 
it does attract opposition, whether it's spiritual opposition or literal opposition. Following God will attract opposition. You know, the thing that I think about oftentimes is that, you know, this Adula ministry is now one, whole, one year old, right? We, we are, it's, it's, it's been literally almost exactly about a year. Mm, the 31st of March was, was a year since we started this ministry. And I think about this so many times because, you know, in as much as I, you know, we, we started this ministry with very good intentions, you know, we, we, I just be able to, you know, for, for me personally, just like I just want to be able to exercise this gift that God has given me for the benefit of the church in terms of God has given me a gift of teaching. And I just like, you know, with, with, with a pure heart, just to be able to take on that calling and say, God, you know, you guide me and you lead me and you help me be able to come in as best as, as, as possible to be able to minister to your people. There are many times I'm sure I may come in here and say something that may be off. And when I do, I'll come and apologize. I promise you that, right? Or there may be times where maybe there's something that I'll say that would maybe theologically off, whatever, right? And that will possibly happen. Who knows, right? But the thing is this, is that I think about this a lot where I realize that whenever you begin to start doing anything and you allow God to use you, you will face opposition, right? And I think about that a lot in terms of like the amount of spiritual opposition that over here we can talk about things that we don't talk about of the spiritual opposition that we face, right? But then I also think about the fact that there will come a time, there will come a time. And I'm fully, that's the thing we all need to understand that there will come a time that even this ministry itself will face opposition, literal opposition, of people who probably think they're doing God's work, <laughs> right? They're like, I can't believe that guy said, <laughs> he said, gee, what about, you know? And it's going to happen. It's just going to happen. And it's one of those things that, like, when it does happen, I can't be sitting here being like, Lord, why? We have to understand that when we begin to allow God to use us, that we will face opposition spiritually and literally. And even sometimes from people who believe that they are doing God's work by discrediting that thing that you are doing. And that's not going to be true for us, just as it was true back in the early church and as it was true for Stephen. And the thing that's so amazing is that it is what it is, you know, that there's people who believe that they're doing God's work when they're doing this, but it's okay, right? For us, it's to be able to stay focused and to be able to stay diligent in being able to remember that the reason why we're doing this is because it is God who has called us and it is the mission of Christ that we would be his witness and that we would be a witness to his name and to the message of his kingdom. Amen? And so we will face opposition. That's the thing. So please understand, living for God and serving Him will cost you. It will. Let me just put it to you plainly. It will cost you. It may cost you some relationships. It may cost you, it may result in some slander. It may result in some false accusations. It may result in being misunderstood. All these things are things that happen. That you will face opposition. When you choose to follow after God, you will face opposition. So don't lose heart when this happens. Instead, be encouraged because the thing is that Jesus promises us that this will happen. But then he says to us that we should rejoice because we have been found worthy to suffer on account of his name. What a glorious thing for us to be able to be like Jesus. That we will be misunderstood because of our stance and because of our belief and because of our confession of our faith in Christ Jesus. Amen? Now, the point is that I'm making here is that when we allow God to use us, 
oftentimes will attract opposition, which leads me to my next point, okay? Leads me to my second point. Now, my second point is this, that Jesus always stands with us. He always stands with us. What I find to be incredible about this story of the persecution of Stephen is that it says in chapter 7 that full of the Holy Spirit, Stephen looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. This is in the, in the midst of the heat of the persecution that was occurring against Stephen. That it says that he was that he, that full of the spirit that he, he looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Jesus was standing. In other scriptures, we rea- when, we talk, when it talks about Jesus, is that it says that he is now seated at the right hand of God, right? Seated at the right hand of God. But in this moment, while Stephen is undergoing persecution, being the first martyr, when he is undergoing intense persecution on account of his confession of faith in Christ, Jesus isn't seated. Jesus is standing with him, standing with him in this moment. And the thing for us to realize is this, is that in the midst of our persecution, Jesus stands with us. When we pass through the waters, he is with us. Jesus stands with us. Whether it's persecution, spiritual persecution or literal persecution, he stands with us even in the dark seasons, even in the dark moments, even in the darkest of times, Jesus stands with us, giving us the strength to endure. You know, I think about this often where I wonder how, you know, especially, you know, how difficult it is for us to reconcile with ourselves that we serve a sovereign God that will sometimes allow calamity to strike us. Or persecution to come our way. That this sovereign, all-powerful God will allow these things to happen to us. And how do we reconcile that we serve a God that allows us to walk through fire or to pass through mighty rivers and all the while it appears as though he's asleep, that he's not doing anything about it. That if you look at the case of Stephen where as this persecution is happening, that Jesus is standing with him, but he doesn't stop it. It doesn't stop what's happening. Remember the story of the disciples in Luke 8, you know, the, the, the story of Jesus and his disciples in, in a storm and, and Jesus falls asleep. I, this is actually the first um, sermon that I preached on Adulam was on Jesus and uh, the, uh, the disciples on, on this boat in, from Luke 8. Um, and this was exactly a year ago where he tells the disciples, you know, that let's, get to the, let's go to the other side. And as he tells them this, he knows very full, he knows full well that, when, that a storm was coming. But he tells them, let's go to the other side of this thing. And as soon as he enters the boat, knowing that there's a storm that was going to come, he falls asleep. Jesus falls asleep. Right? And so when these guys get into the boat and they cross over, it says that suddenly a storm rages. Right? And it says that all the while this storm is raging and Jesus is asleep. You know, the thing is, last year before COVID hit, that's, when, that's, that's about the time when, when, when God gave me this message from Luke 8 about Jesus and the storm. And uh, Jesus and his disciples in, in, in the storm. And I remember at the time thinking of that he was probably talking about, you know, the storms of life. <laughs> or the things that happen in regards to like, you know, difficult seasons. <laughs> No, but a week later, I understood what the message is about, right? Very soon, very soon, soon after. Literally one week later, I was like, oh, 
now. So you are telling me about the storm. It's almost like the same way of Jesus telling his disciples, let's go to the other side of the boat. It's same thing. Jesus, like God was warning me just being like, my guy, there's a storm that's coming. And the thing is this, and I remember for a couple of months, as I, as I mauled and struggled over this, thinking to myself, especially during that period, before, before the whole kind of word really settled in, into my heart, I remember for some time wondering, like, you know, why would God, you know, if, if he knew this storm was coming, why would he put me in a business where he knew that this storm would destroy this business? You know, why would he put me in, you know, after all those years of investment, all those years of, of, of hard work, and, 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 and yet all this time he knew this storm was coming, to be able to come and just completely destabilize everything that we had done and built for, for such a long time. He knew what was going to happen. And yet in his sovereignty, he allowed it to be that way. The thing that's amazing about Stephen is that while in the midst of his persecution, well, in the midst of his persecution, he never grumbled or complained. In fact, it says that in the midst of his persecution, he had the attitude of Christ in his suffering where he literally forgave and prayed for those people that were persecuting him. And I remember the thing is, is that I remember so vividly that I, last year, after receiving that message about the storm and everything, and then COVID hits and everything going into, you know, complete oblivion, being in, in, in a business that was completely, you know, put down just through COVID. I remember during that period and as the whole time as God is speaking to me, tell, God telling me, I need you, Simba, to trust me. I need you to trust me. Trust me in this, that I have a plan. Do not complain. Do not grumble. I am with you. I am with you in this storm. I am the God who is able to calm the storm and I am choosing not to. I know right now that as you look at me, it appears that I am asleep, but I need you to know that as long as I am in your boat, you will not sink. As long as I am in your boat, you will not sink. That you are good even in the storm, even as the storm rages on, as long as I am with you, you are good. And this is the thing. This is what happens in the case of Stephen that we see that in the midst of his persecution, Jesus is standing with him. That Jesus is allowing this to happen, but he is standing with him as it happens. He's standing with him as it happens. And in the same thing for me that at the time while I was going through the most incredible storm of my life, I remember if you go even look at those early videos, in fact, the first video ever that, uh, that we recorded for Agila, where I'm basically sh sharing how, in as much as I'm going through the most incredible storm of my life, I had the peace that surpasses understanding. And I remember the reason why it was such peace that surpasses understanding is because I was unable to reconcile. How is it that I'm going through the most incredible storm but at the same time feel the most incredible peace that I've ever felt in my entire life. I could not find a way to reconcile these two things. But this is what Jesus promises, that he stands with us even in our storms, even in our darkest hours. And with Stephen, that even as this is happening, that he has a moment where he reveals his glory to Stephen in the middle of the most incredible persecution happening to him, where he reveals his glory and shows himself to be standing with him in this moment, giving Stephen the courage and the strength to even go as far 
as to forgive those who were persecuting him because he knew that Jesus was standing with him. Hallelujah. Whew, man. For some of us, it's not like Stephen where, you know, unfortunately for Stephen, for him, he, Jesus standing with him did not mean that his life was spared. It just meant that he ended up on the other side of eternity. For some of us, we go through fire and it does not end up like Stephen. Um, where you go through the fire and you come out like, you know, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. You know, you go through the fire, nothing is burning you, you're not scathed. But in the case of Stephen where, you know, for him, he walked through the fire and he came out on the other side of eternity. Um, that's what happened for Stephen. But whatever the outcome, the thing is that none of it was in vain. That through this, whether, whether you come out on the other side or whether the other side is, is unscathed or the other side is eternity, the point is this, is that Jesus stands with us through these moments. That he literally stands with us. And that because he stands with us, whatever it is that we're experiencing is not in vain. Whether we come out unscathed or on the other side of eternity, whatever the outcome, because Jesus is with us, because he is with us, we are able to experience significance and purpose regardless of what it is that we're going through because he is standing with us we are able to endure through the storms of life because he stands with us which leads me to my final point that no matter how god chooses to use us it is always purposeful and significant that no matter how god chooses to use us it is always purposeful and significant Though Stephen's life was cut short, it wasn't without significance. It was through Stephen's death, interesting enough, that the church was able to fulfill Christ's given mandate in Acts 1. You know, the death of, Stephen's, of Stephen literally ushered in an unprecedented church expansion. If you recall, Jesus told his disciples in Acts 1.8 that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And in Acts 8, it says that after the persecution of Stephen, that on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And then it further goes on to say that those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Remember, there was a commission that Jesus said, go to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the, of, the, of the world. But what had happened was this, is that the church had become so comfortable. And now they were concentrated in Jerusalem and staying in Jerusalem. And all the growth was happening in Jerusalem. But Jesus had commissioned them and said that this message, that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, that you will spread this message in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the world. And it was because of the martyrdom of Stephen that the church was able to fulfill its Christ-given mandate to go to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Right? His life and death was purposeful and significant. And the thing is this, is that when God uses us, it may sometimes appear unconventional or unpleasant, but it is always significant. 
This is why God doesn't just call us to just be to just live a happy life, but an abundant life, a fruitful life, a life of significance that echoes through eternity. This is why we are given the promise of eternal life because his promises echo through eternity. Right? For example, if it were not for Paul's imprisonments, we would not have the letters of the Ephesians or Philippians or Colossians or Philemon. But I'm sure at the time when Paul, he must have hated what he was going through, the imprisonment that he was experiencing. But he did not know that what he was doing was significant. Not only was it significant, but it was incredibly significant that it echoes through eternity. Right? That it literally echoes through eternity till this day. His letters have encouraged and uplifted believers across different generations. What appeared to be an unpleasant situation was actually purposeful and significant beyond his wildest imagination. And it was the same for Stephen. That were it not for Stephen, the church would have remained just there in Jerusalem. But on account of his death, the church experiences a rapid expansion and is able to fulfill Christ's mandate of being able to spread the gospel outside of Jerusalem. God, throughout history, has shown us that sometimes the path leads to tribulations is also the path that leads to life. That the path that leads to us living exceedingly fruitful and purposeful lives sometimes is through the thorns and the narrow road. Jesus himself says it, that it is the narrow path that leads to life. Stephen was the seed that had to die for growth to happen in the church. And he was willing to allow God to use him, even if it meant death. In Christ Jesus, there is no meaningless suffering. There is no meaningless suffering in him. And the thing is that this is a difficult pill to swallow, especially when we're going and we're in the middle of tribulation, when you're in the middle of, 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 of difficult seasons or difficult dark moments of persecution. It's difficult to imagine that there is some type of plan around this or to imagine that there's some type of purpose around all this. But there is. In Christ Jesus, there is no wasted tribulation, none at all. Every single thing has purpose. Every single thing has significance because of Christ Jesus. And so the three things that I have shared with you guys today is this, that I want us to remember through the life of Stephen, is that God using us will attract opposition. Guaranteed. And the second thing is this, is that Jesus always stands with us in our tribulation. He is sovereign over our tribulations and he stands with us even in our darkest hours. He stands with us. He stands with us. Even in the storms of life, he is with us, helping us to endure. And the third thing is this, is that in his sovereignty, as he allows these storms to happen, that in Christ Jesus, there is no meaningless suffering. No matter what the situation is, the, dark, the darkness of the situation, no matter how God choose, chooses to use us, it is always purposeful and significant. In the life of Stephen, his death was purposeful and significant for the expansion of the church. And so there is no wasted suffering in Christ. And this is the joy that we have for us who have put our hope in him. 
that this world and its pleasures are passing away and in Christ we have eternal inheritance that can never be taken away. An eternal inheritance. You know, my dad once told me that live your life with eternity in mind. I always, this thing, that, those words have always stuck with me. Always stuck with me. Because it's, it's, it's the truth. Live your life with eternity in mind. And so this is my parting shot to you today. That though we face opposition, that though we experience setbacks, that though we experience difficult and dark seasons of opposition, that when we have Christ in our lives, that we will always and in every season have meaning and significance because of him. That as long as he is with us, as long as he is with us, whatever it is that we do has meaning and significance that echoes through eternity. Not just in this world, but through eternity. And so like Stephen, even in the darkest of hours, we will not complain, we will not grumble, we will not lose hope. We will not lose hope. Because Jesus Christ, who sacrificed his life for us, is in control and he is Lord of all. And his promises to us echo throughout eternity. Not just in this life, but throughout eternity. Amen. And so we praise Lord Jesus. We give him all the glory. We give him all the honor. For he is sovereign. And his promises endure throughout eternity. Amen. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I just want to thank you for your word today. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the one who is able to help us. Even in our darkest hours, even in our darkest moments, that you are the God who stands with us. You walk with us. Even in the midst of the storm, you are with us, guiding us and leading us. But more importantly, is that in whatever season of life that we are in, that because you are with us, that no, no matter what season, no matter what situation we are in, you are the God who forever and always fills our life with meaning and significance that echoes through eternity. And so we glorify you today and we exalt you even in the midst of the storm. Even while we are in the storm, we give you praise. We exalt you because we know that you, because you are with us, because you are with us, we have everything that we need. Because you are with us and because you stand with us, that no storm will ever overwhelm us and nothing will be able to overcome us. And because we know that your promises echo through eternity, we know that our reward, even if it's not here, will never tarry that our reward will always and surely come because your promises echo through eternity and we exalt you for that. We thank you for the hope that you have placed in us. May you, may you strengthen us during this season and during this time. And may you uplift us and those around us and give us the strength and the ability and the boldness to be able to speak of your word and to be your witness and to spread the message of your kingdom. For it's in Jesus' holy name 
we give thanks and praise. Amen. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching. Listen, if this message blessed you, please be sure to share with someone whom you love. Share with a friend, a colleague, anyone. And then also, listen, support us. Support this ministry so that we can be able to make more dope content and be able to spread this message of the kingdom to as many people as possible. And then, make sure that you subscribe. Sawa, subscribe. Subscribe, wherever the button. Subscribe, subscribe. God bless you guys.